Madden Luke's Sci-Fi Sanctuary. The year is 3013. The galaxy is scintillating in the mellow light. Two galactic pilgrims seek out vistas in the samurai future to bring forth the unity of the cosmic shaman. Opening the door of the pantheon of mystics, the evil sorcerer wizard powers the engine of science, seeking to forever alter the sacred balance, traveling on effervescent balls of summer fire. This week, Twilight Zone, the movie. In the year 2019, the Twilight Zone is a Jordan Peele joint, but it takes four shitty 80s directors to match a Jordan Peele. You just called Spielberg and George Miller shitty. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Luke. Welcome to the Sci-Fi Sanctuary. Joe Dante's cool too. That's not my name. Though. Uh, today I'm joined by Joe Dante, host of <laughs> the Time Enough podcast. Say hello, Joe. Well, I'm confused now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually joined by Matt Comages, host of the Time Enough podcast. Uh, long-time listener, first-time caller. Yep. Yeah. So How are you doing? Nice to finally meet you here in glorious Japan. Right. Uh, yeah, we're looking at 1983's Twilight Zone, the movie, and per this um, new podcast. God, when you say new podcast, you sound like a, a twit, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> but I promise, it's, it's, there's some recorded already. Um, <laughs> um, we're going to do this a little differently than the normal jam on the Sci-Fi Sanctuary and kind of segmentize it as stigmatize it. Well, one segment we might do that with. So, <laughs> Well, this, this film doesn't really, it's not a film, right? We can't talk about it as one contiguous movie, because it just isn't. Is it the pilot for 80s Twilight Zone show, I guess? I mean, Basically. because of the movie's relative success, that greenlit the 80s show, mm. which isn't as good as Tales from the Dark Side, but mm. that's that's a conversation for later. But yeah, yeah, it was a quite a big deal at the time. Um, I was a little too young to see the Twilight Zone at four years old when this came out. I do remember seeing it in bits and bobs, and not ever. I, I think this is the first time I sat down and watched the whole thing. Okay. But I'd always, it was like always on HBO. I, I talked about how I go to my aunt's house and just hardcore HBO, and I'd always catch bits of this movie because they showed it like four times a day or something. What year was the did the original Twilight Zone start? Fifty nine. Okay. What's the bearing on that? I mean, I'm this not, movie is older than Twilight Zone was when this movie was made. Yes. Yeah. And this movie is almost exactly as old as World War II was when this movie came out. Okay. I suppose so, yes. Yeah. Just okay. weird. Like, because this doesn't feel like. The 80s still feels like recent. Yeah. But it's fucking not anymore. I mean, for me, I was like there as a, as a <laughs> yeah, yeah, child, yeah. but you know, I mean, anything you were there for is going to feel somewhat recent compared to, you know, that like, distant Something past. from 1990 is 30 years ago now, but people still think of that as contiguous with modern films. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Total Recall is pretty much squared away with a modern film. I but think nostalgia has changed because we have constant access to stuff. Oh, definitely. If you were a kid in the 50s, you might go 10 years without seeing a hint of your favorite TV show. So when it came back, it was a big thing. Yeah, 1983, I'm just, I don't know why this came to mind, but The African Queen is 1950, I think. Right. 
Um, now, now, this is the dawn of HBO. This is shortly where things start to change in the dawn of VHS. But mm. at this point in time, you would need to probably be in a city and find yourself like a revival house to see something like the African Queen or Citizen Kane, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, because people didn't, we're just starting at cable. Like I said, in my family, we never got premium cable, and they, they didn't even get like basic cable till '97. <laughs> yeah, as now they wait like five years to start feeding you back your nostalgia. Yeah, yeah. Like, so <laughs> they're already making you know posters about how nostalgic you are for the first Iron Man movie. Yeah, and like the sequels to that are still coming out. Like, so have you seen this before? No, I had. I think I'd seen each of the original episodes it's based on. Okay, but this was my first time watching the '80s version. Yeah, as, like for the Nightmare, uh, 50, 20,000, how many feet is it? 20,000 feet, I think? Yeah, anyway, um, I realized... 50,000 feet of space, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I realized watching again that I'd actually um, probably seen that more than the original episode. Okay. Although I did watch the original episode again last night. I've seen that a few times, too, yeah, so yeah. we'll talk about it when we get there. But uh, for now, I guess we'll just, just talk about the prologue. Uh, did it need to be there at all? Uh, it, it frames this in a weird way as, like just like an homage nostalgia piece it kind of it almost takes away your ability to take the film seriously yeah at the time it's like hey here's film star Dan Aykroyd yeah. which now seems like well, did he have like some producer role or something in this I don't know it feels weird that he would have those cameos if he wasn't involved in the film beyond that yeah yeah like maybe I guess he was just a big Twilight Zone fan that might have been it, and yeah, for sure. But yeah, he was actually like kind of a bankable star at the time. So yeah, yeah, because like like I could imagine. I don't know. Seth Rogen makes some um, remake of some shit from when he was a kid. He'd have a scene like that. At this yeah, time. he. That's, right. This is where Seth Rogen would show up now. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, so I'm, I'm guessing it's like that. It's kind of weird how some of the how some stars fade. I mean, you know, James Cagney, man, 1930s, he's still Cagney, man, right? Right. Whereas, you know, Chevy Chase was one of the biggest stars of the 80s, but pretty much no one cares anymore. I mean, he did Community. He had to come back there. Right, but even then, they turned out to be a prick and got kicked off. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you go back, you watch some of those 80s movies, or Dan Aykroyd, they're, they're perfectly fine. Just they, people stop thinking about them. You know, mm -hmm. Aykroyd, we still know because Ghostbusters. Uh, but he had other hits, for sure. <laughs> right. Yeah, I mean, it's it's like um, all the songs that you think of as the big 80s songs. Mm. None of them were number ones. <laughs> yeah. The number ones are actually pretty forgettable. Right. So the guy who was a big star in the 80s isn't necessarily still popular. Though I will say, um, usually I do like trivia for the actors and the director, maybe the writer, although so far it's just been Rod Serling, <laughs> you know, for, for the for the old episodes. I'll do a little right. trivia like, hey, this is what this actor did. This one, I mean, even now, I don't, we, I'm don't. i not doing that for this. We don't really need to. Everyone knows who Steven Spielberg is. Most, I mean, Scatman Brothers. I might have for one of the segments. Okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I don't know, I guess, I guess. Yeah, you it, don't need us to tell you who Steven Spielberg and George Miller are. Yeah. Other than that they're 25% of a Steven Jordan Peele each. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, oh God, let's take a deep breath. Is it time for that first segment? Time to enter the Twilight Zone. You're about to meet an angry man, Mr. William Connor who carries on his shoulder a chip the size of the national debt. 
is a sour man, a lonely man, who's tired of waiting for the breaks that come to others, but never to him. Mr. William Connor, whose own blind hatred is about to catapult him into the darkest corner of the Twilight Zone. I love Burgess Meredith. I fucking... You know what? I wish we could go back to the 80s when sci-fi wasn't political. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm just saying, the, 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 the narrator is Burgess Meredith. Don't want to say anything about, about Burgess Meredith. He's not Rod Stabbing. He's, he's not. No, he's the Penguin. He's he's he did, he's an iconic Twilight Zone episode, which is why he's here. Yeah, yeah I yeah. get it. It's it does it makes sense as a choice, but his tone was a didn't I don't know. It was a bit too happy. Yeah, maybe that's. It, it. was like he's telling you a fairy tale. It wasn't like he's telling yes, you a, a story to terrify him. Yes, it sounded like a fairy tale. That's it. So it, it made sense for certain segments. Yeah, the second one for yeah, sure. But, but uh, like you want like yeah you want a horror voice for. Like this one, especially the fourth one, right? Yeah, this is this is the the horrible uh, Equality of Mercy, uh, directed by John Landis. Um, I was like, dude, what, do you know the elephant in the room? This is where the elephant just storms in on multiple fronts. So I know almost nothing about this, and I've deliberately avoided researching it so Matt can regale me <laughs> with the horrors of this film getting made. Do you want to talk about the segment first, or go straight to the elephant? Uh, there are. There are qualities of the segment worth celebrating. Vic Morrow's good. I mean, he gets horrible things to say, but he's yeah. good. But also, it, it, it is, like, this is just as resonant now as it was then, right? Oh, yeah. It shows you that they've been peddling this same bullshit for 40 years, that your problems are not because of the people in power, it's because of all these minorities. Right, we, they just have, like, better code words now than what they're saying in this segment. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, they have to... They have to just say, like, immigrants. They can't specify the race anymore. Yeah. Where <laughs> they don't have any problems with that. And they, they can't say Jews. They have to say bankers now. But you right. know what they fucking mean. <laughs> like. <laughs> but uh, so on, okay, uh, uh, this one does, like, put it right out. And you have to deal with it. So we have a man who um, is passed over for his promotion. Do those damn Jews. I like they even include a line that he, the other guy had been there longer. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, this it's all bullshit. It's all in this dude's head. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, um, yeah, and then he's transported through several harrowing parts of history. Um, now, going to Nazi Germany, or was that France? Anyway, France, the, I think. Yeah, the Nazis Nazi were there, is the France, point. Yeah. yeah. Like, most times, he'd start talking to people. Here, it's like, oh, he doesn't know German. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I was amused by that, actually. <laughs> like, you know, yeah, because everyone else just speaks German or French. And, um... So I was watching this on Japanese Amazon Prime. I only had Japanese subtitles. <laughs> so I had no subtitles what the other characters are saying, which kind of worked for this segment. Oh, absolutely. I think it's better without them. I'm sitting here wondering if they even had them for in the, in the normal version. Hmm, what if they gave them to the Japanese, but not you? Yeah, yeah. But yeah, oh, it works yeah. that they're just shouting words he doesn't understand. You can sort of pick up, I guess that meant papers. I guess this means, like, what, what were you doing? And shit like that, but no one's speaking any English. I mean, German's somewhat close to English, I guess. But, but English uh, is this weird hodgepodge of all the other European languages. There's always some words, you know. I guess I should have learned my German better in high school. I learned a little German in high school. I can't remember any of it. I, there was a point where I could kind of sort of hold a conversation in German, but that was 20-plus years ago. Same. 25. <laughs> 25 years ago, yeah. Oh, mine's only about 15. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, so, okay. Straight to the Nazis. Yep. that. Um... Please don't touch me. That was in there. <laughs> <laughs> That's my wallet. That's my driver's license. I wrote that dude was chill up, and there's the N-word again. Um. Yeah. Because, yeah, yeah, then he's in the bloody, um, he's being lynched by the KKK. Yeah. And 
I don't know. Like, see, I'm like, should I even read the notes here? Because I'm like, people, you, you can edit it out and then make a, like, a super cut of me sounding like a horrible racist. Because uh, <laughs> well, this, this whole segment was like a fucked up version of Quantum Leap. <laughs> <laughs> like he goes to every part in history to like screw things up more. Yeah. <laughs> he just goes to get fucked up and move on. <laughs> <laughs> he tries to use a Mastercard and not to friends that's weird i think they just find it in his wallet he didn't try and oh use right it. he should have tried to use it yeah <laughs> he didn't walk into a 1940s bakery and try and use a mastercard that would have been great <laughs> I, I, oh prominent we were recently talking about the blues brothers prominent nazis and the blues brothers as well it's like it's like landis really wanted them in his movies <laughs> i don't know sorry i guess well I get, it, it was before the point where if you use Nazis, you're accused of being two on the nose. <laughs> right? You were just allowed to use them as a, like, a good example of what they're an example of, right? Yeah. I just put, is this segment the dawn of the edgelords or what? <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. Um, the Nazis are bad shots. They're, sto- they're literal stormtroopers, and they yeah. shoot like stormtroopers, so that's, that's kind of fun, I guess. Um, and then we get Vietnam. There, yeah, he's just like a random Viet Cong they come across. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or is yeah. a Vietnamese citizen, I guess, not even a Vietcong. Right. Um, I, I should mention the original episode, which I, I haven't watched recently, but right. is quite different. I think I, I, the brief scan of Wikipedia was like there were three segments based on old segments and one that's very loosely based on This old being segment. that one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so in the original, which actually has um, Leonard Nimoy in, in a supporting role, but and, and uh, uh, Quantum Leap again, what's the guy's name? Scott Bakula? The other guy. Oh, the Zippy. No, like Alien, the guy mixed up. Dean Stockwell. That's it, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but Dean's... Uh, I always mix up my actors. He, is he Quantum Leap? Yeah, yeah I think okay, so. Okay, okay. He's in, he's in the um, Equality of Mercy original, but that has um, 1945 uh, American troops, like, you know, getting the foxholes out, and uh-huh. the um, guy's telling the sergeant, look, we can just pass these Japanese folks by. We don't need to shoot them. If we just move on, nothing happens and right you know, oh, we gotta shoot him so and then it, time shifts to 1942 he's now part of the uh japanese imperial army and in, in the same situation with uh, americans hiding out huh. so it's actually like the original show quite smart yeah <laughs> not like this one yeah well this, this is very on the nose but like like i often say on this podcast sometimes it's okay to be really fucking on the nose mm. <laughs> like you know because the big problem is like white guys like this seeing minorities getting some equality as taking something away right and this is like no look at the shit they had they're just escaping that like, yeah. <laughs> so um, the fact that they're no longer being shat on doesn't mean that they're suddenly above you like, right so this segment was completed with um with Vic Mar being sent in a concentration camp train while his uh drunken buddies watch from the future right yeah and not seeing what's happening um the studio was like that's too dark an ending this is too unforgiving a character Right. Do some. Do, let's do some post shoots. Um, post production is the wrong word. Reshoots. Yeah. Okay. So the reshoots were going to have him in Vietnam. Go back to Vietnam, and he was going to save two children from an American helicopter attack. Okay. This is where shit goes real wrong. So to do it, they have to do it in the middle of the night, right? Two. They, it was filmed. At, the, the, the incident is two thirty in the morning. Um, Landis knew about what was happening. They because hi- you can't have kids on set at two thirty in the morning. Right. So they paid them under a table, kind of kept them out of view of casting. They just stand here so they don't see you, and we'll just get you out for your shots. Huh. Uh, 
Um, there was some instant, like they weren't com- safety protocols were a little wonky. Yeah. Like they were like kind of cutting some corners. Right. So what happens is it's supposed to be a shot of Dick Morris saving the two kids. The helicopter, uh, there's an air burst because there's two pyrotechnics that go off near it. Mm. The helicopter spirals out of control. The rotor of the plane chops off Vic Morrow's head and one of the kids, and the strut of the um, helicopter uh, crushes the, the girl. Fuck. So John Landis's response to this was like, "Oh, that was a hell of a thing. Gee, sorry. Okay, next." <laughs> um, there was he was he was actually him and a few producers I think were on trial for manslaughter in eighty six eighty seven. Uh, Steven Spielberg effectively ended his friendship. Uh, after the incident, George Mar- uh, Morrow, George Miller just walked off. He he had not done his post production on his segment yet. Yeah. He just said fuck this and left. And Joe Dante did the post production for his segment. Oh wow! So the other directors were quite mortified by this. Well, understandably, yeah. yeah. And this is kind of where the um, I guess Landis is an asshole story starts. Um. <laughs> I mean, that is standard behavior from producers. Yeah. <laughs> but the fact the director is in on it. It's pretty shitty. <laughs> right, right. I mean, he's a director of foot you know, of filming, right? I mean, yeah. He's not necessarily fully, but he knew there were is incidents with the uh, not incidents, but possibilities with I some of the pyrotechnics. And his stuff. his crime. I mean, obviously, his reaction is pretty shitty, right? I think but the his biggest crime thing is before that is just cowardice. Yeah, is going along with it. Right, right. Whereas. Um, he, he's not necessarily directly responsible, but he's responsible for not stopping it. He was the captain of the ship. Yeah. And he was kind of like, he didn't really own up to it afterwards. Yeah. Well, like, it's, it's <clears> like <throat> a Star Trek where ab- the admirals tell them to do something. You're, if you do it without questioning it, you are a shitty person, right? Right. <laughs> and that's that's what he's done. He hasn't necessarily made these decisions, but he's let them happen under his watch. Yeah. The worst- but then, yeah, not owning up to it, doing anything about it. And, um, and then just, I guess, there, you know, it's like, oh, it's not just like, Oh, an actor is killed because you're like that's terrible. We're like, oh, they killed a six and seven year old. That's like really, yeah, who are illegally hired to be on this film. Ill- sorry, shit. illegally. Let's make sure you said that right. I said illegally. Oh, yeah, okay, I yeah. didn't get that part. But yeah, it's just so like one. This is by far the crappiest segment of this movie. Yeah. Okay, maybe the second one. We'll have we'll get into it. But uh, uh, yeah, that colors it and like you know just paints doo doo brown all over it as well. So <laughs> yeah. But at least it's the first segment, so we're going to basically drop it unless you want to get into uh, Max Landis. <laughs> uh, well, no, just because... Because that's what you researched. When you mentioned John Landis and this being why he's shitty, and you're like, I think Max Landis is meant to be a cunt as well. And you're like, yeah, he's a Nazi, right? <laughs> and then this film is about Nazi. I, I had to look it up. No, he's not a Nazi. He's just a huge misogynist and rapist. Oh, okay. <laughs> so it's still a piece of shit. Right. But, yeah. They're like, he hasn't even done anything that great. He wrote Chronicle, which I guess was okay. Yeah, he did that um, Death of Superman thing, which I still remember had the... Um, the had, did you see that? Is that one of the animated films? N- no, 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 it's... it's um, oh, like a fan production? Fan making of thing. Right, right, right. Like, it's, it's about the making... I don't quite remember. All I remember is it's got for the Sad Moments song. You know, it's like it got the 90s Sad Moments song. Right. It's just someone singing like... It's just like wordless singing, and it's like pretty funny. Okay. Um, oh, it's like a documentary about the comics. Or about, yeah, something yeah. like that, yeah, yeah. It's, I remember it's been, the one factoid I know about the death of Superman in the comics is he only died because he couldn't get married. <laughs> now, they wanted to do a marriage of Superman story, and then they were like, oh no, we want to save it until he gets married in the TV show so we can be at the same time. Hmm. Like, well, we've got to do a big story this summer. Oh, let's kill him. <laughs> <laughs> Bring back the cyborg. That was cool. You had cyborg. You had steel. You had like that clone one. You had Superboy. Yeah, a whole bunch of Supermans. It was great. 
And then he came out with like luscious salon ready hair. Yeah, and then we never got to see the Nick Cage Superman with that hair. <laughs> that's the real crime. Yeah, today. I was gonna say that's certainly <laughs> the crime. sometimes said that where there is no hope, there is no life. Case in point, the residents of Sunnyvale Rest Home, where hope is just a memory. But Hope just checked into Sunnyvale, disguised as an elderly optimist, who carries his magic in a shiny tin can. So I don't need to be told this is the Steven Spielberg one. There's <laughs> <laughs> magic in a shiny tin can. Yeah, hope is uh, here. Child actors, lots of like twinkly, jolly music. Yeah. This one is so Spielberg; it feels like a parody. Yeah. <laughs> well, and it, yeah, it's it's such a different episode to the other three they've chosen. Mm. There's like no horror in this at all. Yeah, this is the episode where I think I've like really maybe never seen the original. Mm. Um, all the others, I well, the the last two segments I watched like last night. Yeah. Because I was like, I'll watch the originals for the good ones. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, it's like Spielberg parody, almost. Yeah. Um, that said, there's only so many places you get Scatman Crothers, right? Uh, well, and this is one of them. You get Scatman Crothers playing basically the same fucking role he played in The Shining. I know, but he's it's just so much magical Negro, here. right? Like, um, he's a, he's a, have you the... seen the Key and Peele sketch about magical Negroes? I need to. Oh, it's really <laughs> fortunate after this. Okay. But it's like there's... Um, you know, some white guy in power who needs a magical negro, and the two of them are competing to be his magical negro. <laughs> no, I did, the last one I saw was the uh, shitty henchman. Right. You know how you were worried about how, taken out of context, the shit you said in the last segment? Like, I just said negro way too many times. Like, <laughs> that is the name used to to critique this trope, right? Like, I'm not trying to be racist, but when you have that trope of a character, because that trope is itself a little racist. Right. So the name for it is, yeah. I stepped into that last summer on the other podcast because I was like, I was naming the actual Tuskegee the name of the mm. experiments there, which did include the word Negro. So yeah. I was like, hey, was that cool? I was like, well, uh, let me check. Yes, that's the official name of this horrible project. So, yeah. you know, context is for kings, I guess. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I guess it's nice to see him in a not get, you know. No, get axed in the back in this one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Like, what? I mean, I know he did some other stuff. It's this, The Shining. I mean, he's, yeah. He, you want to hang out with this dude, especially in a shining apartment in Florida with a yeah, yeah with a porno <laughs> on the walls. Yeah, what a legend. <laughs> <laughs> like, I want to go over there and you know have a, a whiskey with him, right? <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> but um, the other one this kind of made me think of uh, was the Cloud Atlas segments with um, Dre James Broadbent and the. You know, trapped in the nursing home. Okay. They're yeah, not yeah. quite as trapped, in, and it's made clear the staff here's fine. You know. Yeah, that the <coughs> it's not the nursing home itself isn't a problem. It's this. It's just they are old. Is what's sad in this one. They've old. Far this isn't out. a film about like here's a shitty nursing home that abuses the patients. Right. They're just getting old and they've lost their sparkle. So. Yeah. Um. You know, Scatman's here like, to, to spark you up. Yeah. This is this is a nice, sweet, well-told little, very Spielberg story. It's completely I'm just the not into of the last this story. shit. <laughs> yeah, it's completely the opposite. Of the last. It is weird that they go from 
the one about racism straight into this one. I don't I think Nightmare at 20,000 Feet was originally supposed to be the second segment. Okay. Like, I don't remember quite what, but the order was supposed to be different at some point. Yeah. And the, I think in the end they kind of realized, let's, two of these are better than the others, let's put them at the end. Right. Because <laughs> we got, you know, that now you'd want to put, like, make one of the best ones your first one, right? Yeah, you're on streaming, you gotta hook them in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But at that time, it's like, well, well they're in the theater they're already. The same as us on this podcast, we're like, let's get this one out the way. Yeah. With <laughs> <laughs> the first one. Exactly. I think that And then maybe they wanted to go for, like, the most uplifting one right after that. Because mm. uh, even, even ignoring the real world stuff, that is a real downer ending. Yeah. So, yeah, go with, like, oh, here's a happy one that has kind of a happy ending. Which is rare for the Twilight Zone, I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> well, I've only seen, like, the real choice Twilight Zones at this point. Yeah. So I don't know, like, how many people make it out alive. <laughs> <laughs> or just not, like, screwed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, so we were just talking about Stranger Things Up the Hill. This is definitely that Amblin vibe that... Yeah. I mean, granted, without the monsters, just weird because it's Twilight Zone, but... <laughs> But yeah, it's, it's 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 all sparkle and nothing else. I guess another one to think about would be Cocoon. Have you ever seen that? I'm aware of it. I think I saw it once. That's where uh, Wilford Brimley is supposed to be like super old, but he's still only like 55. Right. Because he was like 80 when he was 40, I think. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I think the thing was his first one of his first roles. Weirdly, he, like started real late. <laughs> but um, yeah, Cocoon is kind of this thing where you know the the aliens make the old people younger or something. Yeah. I like I like the ending of like oh I don't actually need to be young I just needed to feel it again and then one of them is like no fuck that I want to be young mm. <laughs> and he jumps out the window good yeah, for him guy. <laughs> I mean hey which guy are you oh, that guy okay <laughs> now there was the, the quote at the end though um, I, well, I suppose the Twilight Zone element is the one guy who wouldn't go with them and then realizes his mistake yeah. Oh, Mr. Bloom, that is Scatman's proper name in the yeah, segment. Yeah. He is very readily accepted, which is cool. Hmm. Like, uh, uh, after the insane overt racism of the first one, it's nice that he is the magical Negro, but he's just there. They don't, do they even mention, like, what color no, anyone no, is? No, 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 yeah. it. He's but there. It's only, I only notice it because he's the only black man in this segment. That does stick out. But. Yeah, <laughs> and he's the one going around doing magic, so it's, yeah. It's, it's not overt hateful racism but it still is some racism there. yes 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 but I do like the point at the end um, I, I guess I didn't put it but the idea that he's like you know I'm, I'm fine in my mind I'm going to be just the age I am yeah I mean that because you're not going to get magically transformed to a child again but you can go climb that tree if you want yeah I guess when you're 80 though it's harder to climb that tree so yeah but it, it's it's the thing I always say about any kind of time travel or magical the ending has to give you a message that can apply even if you don't have the magic, yeah. right? <laughs> like, I mean, now eighty-year-olds can go play Metal Gear Solid if they want. Yeah, it's that. Well, if you just if you just stay healthy, like age doesn't fucking matter. True. My my aunt is God, how old is she now? 81, 82. She regularly goes out like sailing boats and riding horses. And well, I met a guy who was hundred. Yeah. And he he seemed like he was like sixty. And he's like, yes, because I run every day. <laughs> and I was like, fuck, I need to study to start exercising. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's nice, it's uplifting, but there really is no meat to this bone, I guess. Yeah, it they did. like to play jacks, really. That, uh, that game sucks. people like boring shit. Didn't okay. They? Um, I'm thinking about my... imagine the version of this they make in twenty years time, where it's like. I want to go and play Call of Duty. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Yeah, it's going to happen. I'm just thinking where my grandparents ended up. Uh, on my mom's side, uh, that the joke my grandfather had was my wife lost her mind and I lost my body because she was still pretty healthy but just completely 
Nice. Like gone, right? Whereas he could barely move around, but he was still mentally sharp. Huh. But he ended up living with my aunt until uh, passing away, and my my grandmother did go to a nursing home. Okay. Uh, for like two or three years, it wasn't like that long a time. Whereas on the other side, they were an interesting one because there's this big like apartment building in the center, which was like the nursing home, right? Mm. And then surrounding that were like the little cottages. Like you can still kind of live on your own, but you're here. Okay. I th and I think their obligation was they had to go for one meal a day at the uh, communal uh, cafeteria. Well, three of my grandparents are still alive, mm. and none of my grandparents have been in a home. Right, right. Um, but also, my parents and then subsequently grandparents are really young. Right. <laughs> my my mum was 21 when she had me, and my grandmother was 19 when she had her. Okay. So my grandmother's only 40 years older than me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, see, in my family, um, both of my parents... My grandparents were both like 38 or 39 when they had my parents. Right. And then my parents had me like 30, which isn't that late, but it certainly opens the yeah, age gap a little Yeah, it means there's like a 68 wider. gap rather than right. a... Right. <laughs> yeah. like, like my grandparents were always like kind of old. Yeah. <laughs> so that does make for a difference. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Do you have anything else you want to say about this one? Uh, I mean... It, put, it gives you a warm fuzzy pacing, and nothing else? Pacing-wise, it makes sense to have one like this in here, right? Yeah. But it's just the least interesting one, I think. Maybe number three was the right spot. Yeah, maybe. Like, yeah. I yeah, mean, just like, you have two wild ones, then one to calm you down, then one more wild one. So yeah. So, yeah, I think it's a pay this might have been, I mean, it never was going to be the best one in this. Yeah. By far. But it, it might, might have been improved by a different spot. Right. But again, I don't, I hardly even think of this in terms of watching it as one contiguous film. No, it does feel like you're watching four TV shows. Yeah, so, so like, you could swap them around, whatever. You can take them on their own. Yeah, you got DVDs, you can do that easily, so. Yeah. It's fine, but it's it's only fine. Streaming makes it harder again, doesn't it? I guess. Yeah. Well, you can, you can, well, you can zoom, but forth. you just gotta look around a little yeah. bit, and you, it's not just chapters, so. I, I guess my main takeaway is it's a shame that we got this Spielberg, and not the Spielberg who <clears> did, like, Jaws, Duel. Because Spielberg can do horror. He can yeah. do thrills. Well, he supposedly basically directed Poltergeist. Yeah, so like, it's a shame that he just chose <clears> not to, right? Poltergeist is about the same time, too. <laughs> so, I guess he was, you know, Tobe Hooper is the director. That's just choked on a drink, by the way, guys. Yeah. That's why he sounds fucking I'm still sick. talking. I'm not giving up, man. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Tobe Hooper got the credit, but apparently Spielberg was on set and directing, right. for the most part. Around the time of this film, that might have been where his attention was. I'm talking to Rick Sanchez right now. <laughs> Let me tell you, things work out, man. Let's <laughs> get the time machine. Now I'm going to Bobcat Goldweight here. <laughs> I think we're done. Portrait of a Woman in Transit, Helen Foley, age 27. Occupation, school teacher. Up until now, the pattern of her life has been one of unrelenting sameness, waiting for something different to happen. Helen Foley doesn't know it yet, but her waiting has just ended. Man, it's depressing if you're stuck at age 27 and, um, unrelenting sameness. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> what? Oh, that's your... That's the age base. that I finally decided to change my unrelenting sameness, yeah. Okay, that's... <laughs> <laughs>
So, uh, you know, I think I turned 27 having already started working the job that moved me to Japan. So, yeah. Mm. Okay, so you had, you. Ba- this is basically like a story of your life. Yeah. Where you met a, a boy who could do anything. Well, the, the boy I met who could do anything was just like a Nintendo console, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. You ever had a dreams that where that where you wait that that where you can where that you where you want it you want him to do to do you so much that you can do anything? Huh? I've <laughs> seen that clip. <laughs> no, this one gave me a dream though. Yeah. I watched. I went to sleep and I had a dream where I was in some kind of like complex, like kind of a mall, kind of a school, and I like couldn't find a way out. There was a train station. Every way I tried to find a way out would like loop back or like like maybe I've there's been in those train stations. Yeah, yeah. Well, I've been <laughs> in Japan, yes, I've also been in those train stations. <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah, I was like. I think it was direct, pretty directly influenced by this clip. <laughs> yeah. So I, I've seen, I think, the original episode of this. It's a good life. Yeah, I think the episode's creepier. The episode's way creepier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, because uh, this one has kind of a happy ending, I guess. Not for everyone else, but for her it does. Well, she says they went back where they wanted to be. What does that mean? Dead. Okay. And the afterlife. Because they have the corn... <laughs> Okay, in the original, it's the, he, the boy sends them to the cornfield, and they never make it clear what the cornfield is. Okay. So that's kind of cool, right? And um, the, it's not like anyone enters. Um, the, the original episode makes it clear that this is all that is left of reality, this one town. Okay. They're even running out of supplies and stuff, because this is all that's left of reality. <laughs> and it's been going on for years, and, and uh, the climax is just one of the people that's been trying to make the boy happy just snaps and rails on him and gets turned into a giant jack-in-the-box and then banished yeah. to the cornfield. Um, <laughs> so it is creepier. Um, I, I like this segment. It's good. There, it's not better than the episode. I mean, no. nothing here is better than the yeah, yeah, episodes, I was, I was to be honest. Yeah, yeah, say that to the last, the end, but yeah. <laughs> because, because it just has this feel of like a fun homage. Yeah. None of them actually feel that much like horror. It's enjoyable. This one I like. I mean, again, I think that they do increasingly get better. Oh, definitely. And, and if you want to claim this one's the best one, that's fine as well. Yep. Um, this definitely inspired Bill and Ted too, right? I can see that. All of the bit. hell shit with the rabbit and stuff is very reminiscent of the weird cartoon horror in here. Yes, yeah, see, I was watching this and I was like, oh, Luke's going to love the monsters. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's that rat thing. Yeah. <laughs> Just the rabbit out of the hat and it turns into this horrible beast. That was great. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So I really love that. I, I like the weird old school cartoon stuff quite well. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Were they clips from a real cartoon or made for this? Uh, gee, I should have looked that up. Knowing Joe Dante, I'm going to probably guess they were made for this. So you said... Because um, they had a 1933 like, black and white... directors, but... right? Hmm? You said about not talking about directors. I actually don't know Joe Dante. Okay. Um, he's... Ma- you can look at this one, or I can. Uh, the one that always... Uh, Gremlins and the Burbs. Okay, I've seen Gremlins. Have you seen the Burbs? Possibly not. Tom Hanks? That, that's I'm aware good, of it. I don't think I've seen it. That's actually a better Twilight Zone episode than um, this movie. Okay. <laughs> Um, let's see what he's done. But yeah, yeah, we have... It starts off with a little bit of a callback to Mirror Image with the woman at the station. Okay. Also a very good episode, but cre- clearly, you know, clips off into this other thing. So it's just a house in this case where the kid's keeping them hostage. Right. Because he's keeping a couple thousand people hostage who are the only people left in existence in the episode. So um, I haven't seen it yet, but Division is basically ripping off that episode too, right? What is? Division. It made me think of WandaVision. But she's yeah, inadvertently keeping that whole village hostage. No, that one's like, am I spoiling? 
It, I, I it's it's like a school. bubble, a scarlet witch bubble being created around the air. Everything inside the bubble is being changed in this way. Yeah. Uh, outside they yeah, have like shield or whatever. Reality, yeah. It's not shield anymore. Sword. Whoever, whoever, sword. Whoever does this stuff now. Yeah. Okay. Uh, let's see what's. So yeah, we got the gremlins for Joe Dante. Explorers. That's one that's very much on my list. Uh, inner space. Piranha. The howling. Okay. I mean, this is he makes good. Oh, movies. howling. Small is soldiers. Fuck yeah! I love school soldiers! <laughs> <laughs> okay, there we go. We got you on Joe Dante's uh, team. Okay, yeah, Joe Dante's made some good shit. Yeah, he has. He's just, he's just not quite a name like Spielberg or Miller, right? He's... It's almost like he should be. Yeah. But he just... He, he's, he doesn't plaster his name whatever his posters, I guess. Like they Also, I'd say he... Doesn't have as good an agent. <laughs> he stayed a little more genre. Like yeah. Gremlins, as good as it is, it was a blockbuster, I think. But it's kind of genre It's not... It doesn't feel quite like a mainstream movie. Yeah, because it's... Still, kind of keeps its horror roots more than like Spielberg went on to do. And I again, I, I'm waiting to watch more Spielberg for this podcast. So. Yeah, yeah I'll, I'll message Master. We'll do that in the new year. <laughs> but um, I'm guessing that probably feels a little weird for an animated one, which is it's not animated. Oh, okay. It's live action with some CG and stop motion and stuff and puppets. Okay. Oh, okay. Hell, oh, okay. Mate, it's sick as hell. You're gonna love it. Again. I, I don't know if you are. It's very much tied to my nostalgia, but it's no, such you're, you're, a wild. No, you're you're selling film. me Joe Dante puppets. Yeah. Okay. It's insane that that film got made. Okay. <laughs> it's not really insane. This one got made. It makes sense. It's yeah, a nostalgia yeah. trip. Um, it is the. Uh, I guess I'll ask all the questions at the end. But one of the um, time of podcast questions is my tripometer. Yeah. I, I'd say this is the trippiest of the four. Oh, by far. <laughs> and that uh, you could actually the first one is pretty trippy, but it's just it's too obvious with its metaphor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Second one's not trippy at all. It's no. a little fairy tale. But and then the fourth one is kind of trippy, but ultimately it's just a gremlin. It's George Miller trippy. Yeah. <laughs> but like what? It's trippy because everyone thinks he's insane, but we as the audience know that it's just a fucking gremlin. On <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it, it was, I mean. Talking about Joe Dante's career kind of tells you the problem with this film, which is if you want to homage Twilight Zone, you don't do it by remaking Twilight Zone episodes. You do it by telling whack stories that people don't see coming, right? So I will, if the listener does not know it already, I will train the listener, I will train you to watch The Burbs, which is kind of like a perfect Twilight Zone yeah. episode. Um, this is a thing I've heard people say about Monty Python. If you quote Monty Python, You've missed the point of Monty Python. <laughs> like, the point is to be new and outlandish and surprising. So if you're just quoting old jokes, that's not Monty Python. Yeah, I was. Just, yeah, if you're just remaking old stories where you know the ending, that's not the Twilight Zone. Yeah, I, I was talking to you up the hill um, as we walk up the hill to record this. Um, you know, I was watching Mr. Show at my mountain sanctuary, my mountain sanctuary this week. And um, one thing that Mr. Show is, they, they did a couple, they did a couple, but they mostly stayed away from doing recurring characters, which right. is kind of a staple of sketch comedy, because, well, it's easy to do that. Yeah, one of the, when I was a like, teen, the most popular sketch show in the UK was Little Britain. Do you ever watch Little Britain? No. Every episode is exactly the same, because <laughs> they've got like seven or eight sketches that all, each week have the same punchline, and it's just these characters, like, one episode of Little Britain is kind of funny. But you never need to see another episode because they just do those same <laughs> sketches every week. They're like a different setting or a different concept, but it's the same characters doing the same joke. 
I mean, as you said, after after Kick the Can, you, you showed me the the Kian uh, Peel sketch, right? Mm. Were they now? Now people, everyone watches it now, just like on YouTube, right? Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I don't even think they put the whole show out on DVD, but because <laughs> they they had a few recurring characters that were maybe those are not the ones you watch on YouTube. No, you watch the other ones. <laughs> yeah. So now it's like we get to curate these shows and. So for me, that was that's an amazing show because I didn't see them doing these the lame girlfriend over and over. I I actually did only see that once. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The the American football game names. I'll give them that. That deserves a, a couple of occurrences. Yeah. Yeah. They just do that every year for the rest of the time. And they, I'd be happy. they give you so little that you can always do more, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so. Um, but yeah. So this segment, we've talked about everything but it. Um, it's. Maybe it's ruined by having a budget. Yeah? You think, like, streamlining so would be better? There's not, like, a sense of creeping dread because it just it's constantly showing you stuff. Mm. So you can, you're getting to see the boy's power rather than just seeing everyone live in fear of his power. Mm. Plus, because it's just played in, like, this... The way this whole film is played in sort of too much of a fun way, mm. their performances don't seem terrified enough to me. Well, they can't They're be leaning terrifying. into the joke too much. That's where the original episode where the guy just has a meltdown comes yeah. in because everyone is the same in the original episode and finally the one guy just breaks. Whereas no one Maybe, here yeah, quite breaks. Yeah, that's what it's breaks. missing. The, the sister does a bit. Yeah, but not... No, it's... I mean, that yeah. is the cornerstone of the one with Bill Mummy. Yeah. Um, oh, by the way, the sister in this one, it, it kind of flipped me out. I was like, that looks exactly like someone I dated once. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> to me, I thought she looked exactly like... Um, the guy from Linda's film Menstruation. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's just the vacant, stupid face. <laughs> okay, I, I will give my, my lady of the past that she didn't look vacant and stupid, but there yeah, were... I was about to say, I'm kind of ragging on this girl. This <laughs> no, no, but, but yeah, just like, she looks a whole lot like someone on Data once. <laughs> Who I'm pretty sure is not listening, but yeah, <laughs> you never know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, it's good, and yeah, it's... Maybe it's my favorite segment. I don't know. Mm. It's, like you said, it's between this one and the fourth. Yeah, one. So I'll give this one to you if you want. But uh, yeah, the fourth. Well, I'll get to why I like the fourth better. But but yeah, it's just. It really highlights that this film is great, fun, a really nice homage. You're better off watching the episodes. Yeah, I mean, again, I'm starting the the podcast for the original because it's just such a yeah you know i mean like we talk about this podcast does the film hold up you know did the production work it's like it's never a question on the original show yeah even when the the concept of episode isn't as good as others you know you're probably at least getting a quality show mm-hmm. um where this and this movie gives it to you it just for the most part it just uh yeah it's just it's retreading old ground it's retreading old ground and it's doing it in such a like knowing tone that you, you don't it's like the Starsky and Hutch movie which I like that movie yeah I like that one too but it's not like watching an episode of Starsky and Hutch I'd never watch it's much watching, Starsky and Hutch that was probably yeah but it's it's just like watching some fun comedians reminisce about a thing they enjoyed all I really remember that's is kind of all this film is. no I followed the director at the time yeah. whose name I forgot now we made Road Trip right that's the one where I made my university uh, okay. which I didn't want to get up at 5 a.m. so I wasn't in it but <laughs> man I love Road Trip you should have done that well I didn't Wait, know no. it was going to be a good movie I'm going to get confused with Rat Race oh okay no ro- <laughs> I, I don't like think I've seen Road Trip I like Road Trip anyway he, uh, did he make The Hangover I think he may have been oh, I, did he no I can't remember now the guy who made The Hangover wanted to make Joker oh and The Hangover was really bad 
<laughs> anyway, I, I can't quite remember, but I did follow him. That's why I saw Starsky and Hutch, even though I never watched the show. And all I remember is Snoop Dogg now. I don't think you made Hangover, because Hangover's not funny at all. Mm. <laughs> Hangover's a film where it's like... You know how they make comedies these days by getting a bunch of comedians to just like ad-lib the whole film? Right. They did that, but they didn't hire comedians. They just hired actors, so it's not funny. Yeah, it's like, that's <laughs> like when you hire actors as voice actors. It's, it's yeah. not the same thing. Yeah. Um... Let's see, who else is... This I, isn't relevant. You don't have to look it up. No, I have to look it up. I have to find out. It's, I'm just, I don't even think my point was very good. I don't <laughs> think this is like the Starsky and Hutch movie. <laughs> it's not like the Starsky and Hutch movie. I, I guess that's where this one is maybe like... I mean, is there much to talk about here? You need the breakdown from the original to have something to talk about, where yeah. you mentally break it trying to make some kind of weird facade. Whereas they they crumble, but they don't break, you know? Yeah, yeah. And then they just get sent off to who knows where. Oh, I, I did, like, I don't know how much of this is in the original episode. The he, kid has no malice in this. Yeah, he I mean... He thinks he's making them happy. Yeah, whereas... Like, giving the life that a five-year-old, like, an eight-year-old would think was good. Where Bill Mummy, um, really is creepy in the original. Yeah. You said you didn't watch it, but he's creepy! Yeah. I mean, at first he seems like an okay kid. It, he's... He, it's more real because this kid doesn't feel like anyone I've taught, mm. and the one in the original episode feels like kids I've taught. Uh, okay, okay. So this just feels like a sweet kid who's because he's got powers he doesn't understand has accidentally done something horrible. Are you ready for it? Yeah. The Todd Phillips <laughs> filmography is Road Trip, Old School, Starsky and Hutch, School for Scoundrels. He wrote Borat but did not direct it. The Hangover. Due date, Hangover 2, Hangover 3, War Dogs, and Joker. What the fuck? What happened to his career? Because, <laughs> like, Old School and Starsky and Hutch were really funny films. <laughs> and then, like, Hangover and the sequels are terrible films. And then he became, like, this weird alt-right men's rights guy who says, like, you can't make comedies anymore because the left will shut you down. No, you can't make comedies anymore because you stop being funny. <laughs> <laughs> I never made it through the Joker. I just started watching Taxi Driver instead. Correct choice. <laughs> No, what you got to watch, mate, is cucked. <laughs> That's a real What you're looking at could be the end of a particularly terrifying nightmare. It isn't. It's the beginning. Introducing Mr. John Valentine, air traveler. His destination, the Twilight Zone. <laughs> the Twilight Zone? That, that wasn't even <laughs> Shatner. That was, who was it? That was somebody. My Shatner always turns into decay. So <laughs> no, it wasn't decay either. Oh, okay. That was Zap Brannigan. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> it was too. It was like how my Schwarzenegger always just becomes McBain. Yeah, <laughs> my Shatner just becomes Zap Brannigan. <laughs> right, right, right. And and was it your hippie used to become Schwarzenegger? I don't remember. It was something like that. <laughs> yeah. Um, Nightmare at twenty thousand feet. I probably made a mistake because I watched the original again last night, and I watched the uh, the movie version two nights ago. Right. They're, you know they're both good. Yeah. Again, we I think we've already said eighty-seven times the series, the original series ones are better. But this one to me is the one that 
at it least... It gets the closest, right? It gets the closest. It's well, it's fucking George Miller doing a Gremlin on the ring. Like, this is he's made for this shit. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, Spielberg After the guy who made Gremlins. Spielberg shit, right? <laughs> and then the Gremlins guy did the wrong kind of horror, I think, for his... Yeah. Uh, yeah, I wonder if they'd have been better the other way around. Huh. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. Um, this this one works. So um, you know, we don't have Shatner. We have John Lithgow, but mm-hmm. he's he's good. It's I've never seen John Lithgow this young, and I'm amazed how old he still looks. <laughs> <laughs> he's one of those guys who was just born to play old or old. Well, let's talk about Wilfred Brimley, right? He he's always been he was born yeah. old. I was born old. <laughs> well, like yeah, the youngest I've ever seen Lithgow is Third Rock from the Sun. Oh, this is way past that. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and then after that, it's like. Planet of the Apes and stuff where he's just like old dude yeah I know in the original episode they call him out as 37 years old which I think was a little older than Shatner was at the time but oh, okay. yeah so I'm going to assume that's the same they don't say the name the, well like um, the, one of the wack the things is when Shatner first appeared in TOS he's only like three years older than Chris Pine when he first appeared in the 09 movie Right, but everyone talks about how young the cast of the new film was. Well, people were, were, you know, people didn't go looking so young and hip. You already looked like a fogey when you were thirty in nineteen sixty. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I think this one for me has the problem you have with the previous one, mm-hmm. where I'm so familiar and so fond of the original that this one doesn't quite do it for me. Yeah, again, Lithgow's very good. Mm. Shatter's a little better for this. Um, yeah. The other thing is um, they went out of their way to make an awesome gremlin for this. But man, the one the original is so I, I, great. <laughs> <laughs> the fuzzy eyebrows and stuff. Because yeah, 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 <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah. watching them back to back, I was just like, because I, I saw the movie first, I was like, okay, that's cool. I guess they upgrade. Then I watched the original. Okay, they upgraded, but this one's better. Yeah. <laughs> it's well, like a gorilla on the wing. The fir- this one tries to shoot it like you... You know, the sensible way to shoot a horror film where you get glimpses of it through the mist and stuff. Yeah. Whereas I love how the original, he just opens the window and its face is in his face. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's such a great bit. Well, the, the thing, though, that does make me really like this, and, again, is something very different from the original episode, is the frantic kind of road warrior chase scene editing stuff. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. comes through like front and center here. Like George Miller did put his stamp on this, like his real stamp. Spielberg put on his like you know fancy pants stamp, right? He put on his like I guess this is what people expect from a Spielberg film stamp. Yeah, Dante was honestly still learning the ropes when he did this. Yeah, I get, I get the impression he was younger than the others. Yeah, John Landis killed people. Yeah, <laughs> George Miller made a pretty George good killed it. <laughs> you know, uh, George Miller pretty much made a very good um, compact George Miller film yeah like this is actually a pretty good follow up for the Road Warrior I think what this one does possibly better than the original is that like because they make he does such a good job of already playing a guy who's terrified of flying and then just the fact that he comes across so insane <laughs> or a Shatner comes across TV insane right Right, well, he, Shatner gets on planes like, I've had problems before, but now I'm fine, and slowly gets nutty, right? Yeah. Where Lithgow starts off flipping out in the bathroom. <laughs> yeah. He's already completely unhinged. He does not want to be so, on this plane at all. I love how creepy the little girl is for no reason. <laughs> <laughs> That's just like a, a D-plot of this little feature. That she's like, got a ventriloquist dummy that she sleeps with. <laughs> well, again, this, that's a George Miller touch um, in uh, Fury Road. What's what's the name of the guitar player? Uh, I, know he, I can't remember his name. I don't remember. Like that's, it's player. the same thing. Like, why, why is he here? Because it's sick. <laughs> it, makes, it makes sense. For that's the why the girl's here. That That is a very George Miller touch. And yep. 
So, I mean, he's the one that just made this. He made it his. He didn't necessarily make it better, but he made it, you know, at least worth arguing about. Yeah, he made... This is the only one where it's, like, it's worth both of these existing. Mm. Whereas all of the others, I'd say, just watch the old one. Here, if you told me you like this one better, I'd get it. Mm. Like I think I, it's only familiarity that makes me like the other one more. Like I said, I'd catch this on HBO in the late 80s, so I'd mm. be like 8, 9, 10 years old, right? I remember seeing this multiple times. I think I've seen this segment more than the original. Okay. Um, Kick the Can, I probably like fell asleep or like went and did something else. Um, I'm pretty sure the the Dante segment I watched, I don't even remember the Landis segment, to be perfectly honest. I Maybe, I don't know. I don't know why. Maybe it was edited from TV once, who knows? <laughs> or edited from my memory. But yeah. I def, like, I'm actually more familiar with this one than the original. Maybe that's why I'm like, you know, like sparkling sunshine up its butthole, but uh, yeah. Maybe this this film is like, for you, what um, Forrest Gump was for me. What's that? Where I t- genuinely didn't know the film went past Vietnam. <laughs> because I just caught it on TV all the time. Well, inverted. Yeah. <laughs> where I know the last part the best. Yeah. In the intro, I, that's the weird thing. I do remember the, uh, I, I talked total crap about earlier, but I do remember the Dan Aykroyd. What's the other guy? I, I, he's, he's, I can't remember. I, I he's in defense. Him. He's James like Brooks. James Brooks. Um, I do remember that intro for some reason. So it did stick but in my like mind. like you said, this film, could, maybe this film could have been just chopped up and put up in different orders. Because <laughs> it's, there's, it's there's no real through line other than, I guess this one has to come last because it ties back to the intro at the end. I guess that's a question for me. Uh, listeners, if you want to answer, please do. But did they actually segment this up and just show it randomly on HBO and Showtime in the 80s? Possibly. That might be why. Yeah. Could they it, reuse any of these as episodes of the 80s? That might have been possible as well. I'm not sure. Uh, uh, as, as I said, there, the other podcast. But. Yeah, it is. Because <laughs> we will get to both to that and Tales of the Dark Side, which for me was actually the Twilight Zone of the 80s. I mean, you've, got, you've also got there's 2019 Twilight Zones that neither of us have watched. True. It's going to be a while until I get to those, although I might think of an honor. I, I would say do all the Twilight Zones before you do any other shows. Yeah. And uh, Night Gallery is going to go in. Yeah, but I mean, do all the Twilight Zones, then go and do Outer Limits, Night Gallery is whatever. No, Night Gallery is Twilight Zones, Rod Serling. Yeah, but it's not <laughs> called Twilight Zones. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> okay, thoughts. I, I got five seasons of the original before I uh, yeah, make a decision. Yeah, you have to worry about that shit, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Yeah, I think... I think I'm coming around to this was the best of the four. Mm. Um, Again, you know I like trippy stuff, so if you want to get an argument for number three, I'll take it, you know? But uh, this this holds the truest to, I think, because like we said, in the third segment, no one's really... People are trapped, or they're... no. I asked the question, uh, which I, uh, who is actually in the Twilight Zone? For the third segment, who is in the Twilight Zone? Is it the kids? Is it the woman? Is it the people trapped in this situation? Is it everybody? It's it's kind of nebulous, right? This one is like, it's John Lithgow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe that girl. In the third one, like, that house is the Twilight Zone and she steps into it. Yeah, it? I guess that's the thing. So, it's nice. To, I, I guess you want to do character and here, I mean, we get an insane character. Uh-huh. You can barely identify with this guy. That's, that's the problem with the third one. None of the characters take the mask off mm. for long enough. So you don't really get characters. Right. The only character you get is point of view character who doesn't understand which is not a very interesting character you get full on nuts John Lithgow the entire time here oh yeah but one that has the benefit of being right <laughs> yeah yeah well it's like we did 12 Monkeys recently like being right doesn't mean you're not nuts <laughs> like thinking there's a gremlin on the wing is pretty nuts even if there is <laughs> <laughs> right right 
It's like, do we just ignore the gremlin on the wing? Do we have to acknowledge him? Because there's a... He is going to rip out your engines eventually. Uh, I think you made a point in your notes. Like, pl planes can land with none of their engines. <laughs> but I guess maybe he'd have eventually torn off the whole fucking wing. Who knows? That would be a problem. <laughs> I mean, you don't really want to land the plane with no engines, but they are built to glide, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and they were, like, they were coming in for a landing towards the end anyway. Yeah. So I think the plane would have made it even if John Lithgow hadn't shot the gremlin. So I say <laughs> it got outside. <laughs> okay, that's another out. one. It's just so George Miller insane. You know, again, that's Mad Max or, or you know, hanging off of the car, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I want to know, how did he not get blown off the wing? <laughs> <laughs> it's, everything seems real stationary when he's on the wing. People do walk on wings. Yeah, and we're not at that they, point. They we're, we're not landing. at twenty thousand feet, right? We're yeah, they were landing. landing so, okay, yeah. good. This point. isn't like jumbo jet going at like Mach five or whatever. Yeah, they could have gotten more wind machines. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, but you know, oh, you should always get more wind machines. Yeah, all <laughs> our listeners to this podcast probably don't agree. They've heard the episodes where we got six wind machines. <laughs> I think today's okay. There's no, no, just some birds maybe. Yeah, it's Pace probably quite, actually quite nice ambient noise today. Yeah, not like the recent Bug Temple ones. <laughs> Uh, summer has passed. It should be okay now. Yeah. I just said I was going to ask you my boilerplate questions because with the original show, I'd never need to be like, does this movie hold up? Yeah. Does this show hold up? In this case, I guess I do need to see if this is held up. Uh, it, it kind of doesn't because it never was meant to. Like, it's it, the whole film is just an homage to an older thing. Yeah. Um, so it does feel dated in a way, but in a very deliberate way. And nothing better is anything that came before with George yeah. Miller making a very nice attempt at it. George <laughs> Miller maybe equals. Yeah. But the yeah. rest of it is definitely lesser. Joe Don See, Joe Dante gets by because he has some extra trippy imagery that was not in the original episode. Yeah, this is very fun. Yeah. But it doesn't deliver the creep factor, which is what makes the original so good. But then most of the fun is, like, uh, deflated by the first segment, and if not the segment itself, then it's history. Yeah. <laughs> Because this is a movie people died to bring you, and that is kind of not cool. Because no one, I think that was Spielberg who said it, no one should ever die to bring you a movie. I'm pretty sure they do a lot of the time. It's yeah, more than they do. Okay. CGI sweatshops that you don't have to hear about. We, this is uh, October 25th, so yeah, I guess we have to talk about the... Uh, the, the Baldwin situation. I was wondering if you were going to bring that up. Yeah, yeah I guess here... Well, you actually, I'm glad it's now that we brought it up, you know? Because, yep. I mean, the same... Now, now that... Again, this movie, it's like we just killed a six- and seven-year-old Chinese kid with the actor. Here we have Alec Baldwin uh, taking out a director of photography, and I don't think anyone would blame Baldwin for it, but I could see where he would be existentially torn up about it. Yeah. <laughs> because you just shot somebody. Man, see, as someone who didn't grow up in the States... It's wild to me that there would just be real guns lying around. <laughs> like, it's uh, getting hold of a prop gun for a film and getting hold of an actual gun are leagues apart mm. in sensible countries. Yeah. But in the U.S., there could just be a gun on the table because there's a fucking gun on the table. And I, I think they're still, like, passing blame around. So it's, I think at current 
you know, this is only a few days after, but it's currently being bounced between the assistant director and the armorer mm. for making that horrible mistake. And uh, I don't know if it's one of them or neither of them. It's also only a couple of weeks ago some Twitch streamer cosplay girl accidentally shot one of her friends while they were watching Gotham. That's different. Because she's like, oh, I've got a gun like the Penguin and then fired it. My father has a story about uh, um, being at a... Uh, he would have been, God, probably younger, like like your age when he was at this party. He's at a party and guys... They, they had been friends with a guy for years. Look at this. You know? Mm. He was dead the next day. He kept doing that apparently after the party and <laughs> took himself out. <laughs> well, um, I can't remember what podcast that was on. They were making fun of the fact that the ninja... Was it you and Andrew making fun of the fact that you can't have Ninja Turtles in the UK because of the nunchucks thing? I don't. I think I've talked about it before, but I don't remember it. What, what was what's but, um, the name in England? Teenage Mutant Hero Turtles. All oh, right. <laughs> but um, my friend's uncle did give himself brain damage fucking around with nunchucks. <laughs> the reason they cared about nunchucks and not the swords and stuff is because nunchucks don't look as dangerous as they are. Mm. So kids think, oh, pop on the head, no problem. It'll fuck you up. It'll kill you. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's why it's a weapon, folks. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, I guess hey, we need to... Don't play with guns, kids, I guess is the message of Matt Luke's Sci-Fi Sanctuary this week. I, I was thinking, though, it basically is the... the um, it is now um, Twilight Zone, The Crow with Brandon Lee getting shot on set, mm-hmm. and now uh, Rust, I guess, is this current movie, which uh, we'll see if it ends up being a thing in the end or not. Uh-huh. Yeah. See that that was so. But so again, these are the uh, these are the obvious ways people get killed by movies. But all of the fucking the shady business that goes on in like you know exploiting whatever country you want to film in, exploiting the shit out of a workforce who does all your special effects because they don't have unions. People die to make movies every fucking day. Yeah, I'd actually seen. Oh, the- also, um, Paul W. S. Anderson. Wait, is he the shit one or the good one? He's the shit one. Yeah, he he got a stunt lady's arm torn off because he decided to change speeds of a stunt without telling her. Wow. I forgot to mention that in Monster Hunter, so kind of fuck that guy. Was that the Monster Hunter? No, it was one of the resis, so oh, okay. before Monster Hunter. Okay. Um, but, oh, point went away. Okay, that happens a lot. I guess I'll start asking you, you a few questions there then. Um, we have to look at if these people deserve their trip into the Twilight Zone. Vic Wait, Morrow. If these people deserve to get killed by helicopter. No, we're talking about the characters no, now. Don't, we're talking about the characters now. <laughs> yeah. These are the characters we're talking about, okay? We're, we, we have uh, faced rea- cold, hard reality that unfortunately lies out. That's the real Twilight Zone. Yeah. Let's talk about this happier, um, you know, fake Twilight Zone that's shown to you on film. So the Holocaust. <laughs> no, that's the real. That, that's real shit again. <laughs> that's the one we're about to talk about uh, first. Vic Morrow, did he deserve to yeah. go to the Holocaust? Yes, because you, you can't say these things on film. <laughs> Oh no, the actor did not. <laughs> but no, his character, yeah, he deserved to get. To oh yeah, the, yeah, the actor was Mr. William Connor. Yes, William Connor deserved it. I mean, I don't think anyone would argue with that. Yeah. Um, I guess the second. Well, okay, they had a nice time in the Twilight Zone. Did they deserve that? Um, the one. The question is, did the guy who didn't go deserve his shitty ending, where he wants to go with his friend? He's like, no, you can't, because <laughs> you're an old piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> did he deserve to get left out of the Twilight Zone? <laughs> I guess is the question in that one. Yeah, so did he? Not really. He's just, like, if they didn't know this guy was magic, he kind of was correct. <laughs> because that's the lesson they all learned, right? Was just to embrace, like, yeah, our bodies have aged, but they're still 
But the one guy was just like, screw it. Yeah. Ignoring a lesson, taking the young Did body. Did he deserve that? <laughs> Did he deserve to just get to live his life again? Yeah, he's doing shenanigans. That's cool. I mean, I'm always up for shenanigans. You just opened the temple door. The temple with my back. It's not locked. We ain't got the temple today. It's busted. <laughs> Is it the twilight zone if we go inside? <laughs> Probably. Well, the fucking yokai realm. Um, I think it's stunk in there. <laughs> <laughs> Sent escape, so that's not good. So the third segment, at least a demon. Everybody went into the Twilight Zone. Yeah, none of them really deserved it, but that's because, again, in this version, the kid's not doing it deliberately. Yeah, I was about to say in the original, like, like, like this kid is. Yeah, the original kid is like he's a mon. They say he's a monster. They're like, let's introduce you to a monster. Yeah. This one makes it clear it's not a monster. This is a kid with like bizarre powers and has no clue what to do with them. Because the ending, that I kind of like the ending where she's like I can teach you to use these powers right I for a while I, I was like oh is she also one <laughs> I don't think that's what it was trying yeah, to say I, I think she was just taking advantage of the situation yeah but yeah I wondered if it was like a Wesley Crusher thing where she was like a fellow traveler who'd met him or whatever and was I gonna, don't I don't think that's th it I think no. she was I mean honest, the opening says that she's just she's lived a boring life and is waiting for the excitement because the other so. uh, uh, the only other option is for her to run through you know mists to yeah. God knows where, so you do what you need to in a certain situation. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. So well, no I'd monsters. Watch the, I'd watch the sequel to that, that twenty years down the line. There is one. Yeah. Bill Mummy came back and did one where like his daughter's like in the same town, still only a couple thousand people. Like yeah. that's all reality. And no, I was. I mean, a sequel to this version. Oh, okay. Where like he's grown up having had a mentor and is like you know. No, there actually is a film. I, I don't remember if it's the early 2000s ones or an yeah. 80s one, but there actually is a follow-up to the original episode with uh, Bill Mummy. 2000s Twilight Zones? Yeah. It kind of comes back every 20 years. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, John Lithgow, I, I, he just lived in the... Uh, sorry, John Valentine, what was the name? Yeah, Mr. John Valentine. Yeah, he just... He was he was there to start with, so... Yeah. I mean, he did save the plane, I guess. He kind of escaped the Twilight Zone, it was rather than him being... The episode starts with him already in the Twilight Zone, and he gets out. There's more of that. No, he got, but he ends, but up, he ends up in a mental asylum. No, he ends up with Dan Aykroyd in the yeah, end. Oh, yeah, <laughs> I think I see him. No, he didn't deserve that. <laughs> no, no, he just said, I mean, he's about to see a monster come from Dan Aykroyd's anus or something, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a shame we don't get to see an actual transformation, but I guess they couldn't keep Dan Aykroyd on set for that long. <laughs> <laughs> um... The last we were talking about yesterday's Enterprise, like, what's more expensive, exploding an Enterprise or an extra day of uh, <laughs> <laughs> Uh The last question is my tripometer, which I think is new to you. Uh, is it like out of five? Or? I've made it, it used to be out of ten when I did music, but I decided to make it five. Decimals are okay. Pussy. No, you can be like I, 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 I hate numbered scores in all, all contexts, so... But this is not for quality, it's for trippiness. Yeah, I'm going to say... So you can make up a number if you want. Um, well, segment-wise. Uh, uh, no, no, I was going to I was thinking like... Quality and Mercy, racist segment. Uh, two. I'll give it a higher trippy meter because of the time travel weirdness. I'll give it 3.5. That's way too high, but okay. Because it has all the time travel trippies. I'm, I'm discount... I'm just talking about pure trippiness. I'm yeah, not but that about... wasn't that trippy. It went to real instances in time. You know, do, okay, okay, dealing with languages. Okay, anyway, uh, I'll go higher than you on that one. Uh, kick the can. Three. 2.5 for me. Okay. It's, it's too much of it is the, the trippiness is replaced by Spielberg gloss. Right. So it lowers for me. Um, is, is it actually called like um, It's a Good Life in this movie? For the uh, do, I don't, do they name the segment? I guess they this? don't. We're going to call it It's a Good Life because that's okay. what it is. <laughs> like a, a four or five. Oh, oh, I'll go 4.2 then. 
I'm going to give it a Zorch point Zgilp. Yes! Fucking numbers that's what I want. That's, that's the kind of number I want. That's why I was, trying, I was proud of you to give me that number. <laughs> it is the trippiest one, I would mm-hmm. say. Unless you're going to give the next one higher, but I feel like that's by far the trippiest one. Okay. Okay. Uh, 20,000 feet? 20,000! All right. <laughs> sure. <laughs> I can't even, you know, I'm not even give my score. I'm just like, I can't, I can't say anything against that. So, <laughs> Triple Mirror scored 20,000 on that one. <laughs> yeah. So, um, honestly, I listened to the, pod, the, the, you know, Time Enough podcast for some some real Twilight Zone, man. I mean, you know, this is fun. This is worth watching. But, uh, yeah, it's not a replacement for the original. Yeah. Are there places to find that yet? Uh, not quite, because there's... I found, like, variants of the name, right. but they don't talk about the Twilight Zone, so I'm still working on the socials on that. Okay. Um, but if you type in Time Enough Podcast, and especially if you type in Twilight Zone with that, um, hey, type in... By the Matt. time this episode goes up, maybe Matt will have some links in the description. Maybe I'll do that, but yeah. Um, anyway, that, that's what it is. It, it'll be on our um, Patreon umbrella as well, so if you look for it there, it is... Uh, yeah, go to patreon.com slash podcastiopodcastius if you want to throw us a dollar a month to help keep these podcasts online, or if you just want to find our other podcasts, because they're all listed there. So you've got this podcast, Malik Sci-Fi Sanctuary, you've got my Monster Hunter and Pokemon podcasts, you've got Matt's uh, podcast about weird uh, experimental films, educational films, weird documentaries, which is oral hygiene, and hopefully by the time you're reading this or shortly after, you will have time enough podcast shortly after i start making schedules next week folks okay two episodes drop the first day which will be the uh where's everybody the actual first episode of the twilight zone and um the time element which is um a few years before which rod serling wrote narrated by desi arnez doing rod serling narration okay that's weird uh, <laughs> but it was kind of like the proto twilight zone we talk about it's on the set right they put it there because it basically was the first stab at it right. and, and and that'll be coming out um i i decided it's it's about a guy traveling back to pearl harbor so i i guess i'm actually going to put it on December 7th. <laughs> okay uh so oh, there's a in the temple ah! <laughs> <laughs> Revolutions. Revolutions.